0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Defining Moments Podcast. Get on social media. Find us on Instagram at Defining Moments Podcast. On Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. We're on all sorts of podcasting platforms from Google to iTunes, to iHeartRadio, to Spotify. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it. Subscribe to it. We're also on YouTube so you can see the video edition. Search Defining Moments Podcast. Like it. Subscribe to it if you believe in it. And no matter what, show some appreciation today, every day, because someone is always rooting you on. Do you wanna break this off? It's one, two, three, clap. It ties in the audio of the video. Okay. And then I'll go with the intro. And it's just free flowing like champagne.
1: Sounds good. All right. Okay. Do you wanna break it off? How uh, would I do? Three, two, one, clap. Okay. And then we'll do it. So I just say three, two, one, then clap? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yep. Three, two, one,
0: clap. Omaha, welcome back to Defining Moments podcast. My name is Wong, Lam, and today's very special guest is Henry Roberts at Hank Wade. We'll get into why you named your handle Twitter at Hank Wade. Number one, thank you so much for your service, United States Air Force. Correct. Yep. Retired firefighter, mm-hmm. volunteer firefighter. Yep. I'm wearing red, veterans. All right. I appreciate you. Yes, thank we you. We appreciate you.
1: How are you doing today? Good. Yeah, I've been out touring uh, the sites of Oklahoma City. Yeah. First time ever in Oklahoma. and
0: It's uh, it's pretty neat.
1: A lot of stuff to see. Yeah, and
0: it, it's really neat because we connected on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I started following you because I, I felt like your tweets are pretty quirky and really funny. And quite, I mean, if you think about it, quite a bit of it is true that people don't say, but you tweet about it. And people are like, "Oh man, I'm so glad
1: you tweet about it because that's what I was thinking." Mm-hmm. So, how did you come up with those tweets? <laughs> that, um, <laughs> a lot of it is driven by a, a tweet. I'll see someone tweet something, and it will usually trigger my mind to think of something. Yeah, and I, you know, I see like not to pick on the women, but I see a lot of women say, "Why do all men do this?" Mm. And maybe it's a it's someone that's disgruntled. And It kind of made me thinking like, well there's always two sides to every coin yeah. so I always try to kind of fire back like well why do all women do this or it I try to get it to where word it where it can engage someone's mind to think a little bit like why would you say that or what's behind it kind of thing uh, and then the other times they just something funny to make people laugh because yeah. social media is just so much negativity that it's nice to see something funny every now and then and so
0: I agree I agree. Before we get into social media negativity, your stage name, if you don't mind pulling that handle towards me, okay. there's a couple of gifts. Ooh. That shirt is yours. Awesome. You have to come on the show to get the shirt. Yes. So that's the. Uh, Perfect. Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. great. That's all yours. And that is for your wife. This is for my wife. That's for your
1: wife. Perfect. I have mine, I have one, just like this, in the car, and i used it today already. Nice. Oh, she might be getting a black one. (laughs) I might be getting a purple one. (laughs) But she doesn't know yet, so... Oh, man. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking your time to... Well, we broke it off with Omaha, because you're from, or you live, reside in Omaha, Nebraska.
1: We live in, uh, well... Omaha, and Nebraska is a big city. We technically live in okay. somewhere of Bellevue. But, okay. I mean, people know where Omaha is. Yeah. And it all runs together. There's just, you can't really tell the difference between one city and the other. Yeah. So. But yeah, so I got, uh, I came out here 1994. I went in the Air Force and uh, got stationed at Offutt Air Force Base mm-hmm. and met my wife. And we actually got married. So I went in the Air Force on January 18th in 1994. Wow. Her and I got married January 18th, 1997. It's my three-year anniversary okay. in the Air Force. Her and I got married. Man. And uh, she was a local gal from town there. And yeah. So I got... She, uh, she already had a kid when we met. And then we had uh, our next daughter, which would be my first child, uh, while I was still in the Air Force. So I was getting out. We already had two kids. Uh, Omaha's a reasonable place to live. Yeah. I came from Northern California, where it's very expensive. So, to try to raise a family there would be just hard. So, we stayed in Omaha. And, yeah. Uh, her and I have been married 24 years now. So. That's awesome. Yeah. How many kids? Six kids. Six kids. Four girls yep. and then two boys. Wow. And your four girls are all out of high school. Yep. So, already. the youngest girl just graduated uh, in the spring. With uh, No, I guess I take it back. It'd be um, last summer. So, she's been out. Hey, with the COVID thing, I got so mixed up because she was out of school back in March mm-hmm. and they were really supposed to go to June, but those kids had never gone back to school and they kind of just did this close enough, you're graduating, you're yeah. done. So she never got to walk in a graduation or nothing like that. Yeah. So that was kind of a weird thing to go to. She never really got to go to prom because that got canceled. Yeah. So yeah, so she's, uh, they're all, all the girls are out and they boy have an eighth grader and a third grader. And Man. So. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And you've been on many podcasts. I've heard a few of them mm-hmm. and you talk about mental health because you're a mental health advocate. You want to bring awareness to the, to society, mm-hmm. right? And then you also talked about agriculture, being an advocate for the agriculture community as well. What led, let's pick your brand. What led into the agricultural side?
1: So, I had been around firefighting my entire life. My dad was a firefighter, and I started off in California in firefighting. And We actually joined the fire department at the age of 16 out there, and there were certain things you couldn't do. You couldn't go inside a burning structure. couldn't drive the fire trucks, but you could do pretty much anything else. Uh, if you were, if it was a dead body, you were doing CPR on a dead body. And yeah. so I did that, and I was born and raised around the fire department, so it was always just something I talked about. That's who everyone knew. I was related to the fire department and got out to Offit and joined the local Belleville volunteer fire department there, served there. And so in 2013, actually in 2010, we went from all volunteer to a part-time paid program. So we were getting paid to staff the stations and nice. uh, 2013 rolls around. And then I started having some weird aches and pains and having some difficulty breathing. So long story short, I get diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and asthma. It's an autoimmune disease and, so I can no longer do firefighting. It's just it's too dangerous because you never could tell when you're gonna have a flare up, hmm. and it's I didn't one, I don't want to have another firefighter relying on me to pull him out of a fire or the public. It's not safe yeah. for the public. Right. I'm not supposed to be there, so I had to give it up. And that was it. Took me years to figure this out, but that was my identity. And losing that firefighter, being on the outside now, no longer being an active firefighter. I was lost. I didn't know what to do. So I spent a couple of years pretty depressed, pretty grumpy, you know, just didn't know what to do. And so I have a little shed in my backyard. Yeah. I started doing woodworking. I wanted to find something to focus my energy on. Uh, I had a regular job still, so I still had that. My, and my bills were paid, but I needed some kind of hobby, some kind of passion. Started doing the woodworking, and while I was woodworking, I needed something to listen to. And I don't do... Like CNN, nah, I can't do the news stuff. Yeah. I'm not a big sports guy, so I don't. I can't really listen to sports talk. And I stumbled across this rural radio mm-hmm. network, and I so I kind of started getting interested in agriculture. And I knew a little bit about agriculture, but right. I really started finding out, like, learning about the science of why they use a certain herbicide or a pesticide or how a plant even grows or how do you raise cattle. So. I kind of found the more I started learning about that, the less I started forgetting about the firefighter part, kind of the more I became happy. And, uh, so I started learning about that. And then there's a gal out of Canada. Her name is Leslie Kelly. And Mm -hmm. she's a huge mental advocate up in Canada. And she has a show with a guy named Rob Sharkey. And, so I was listening to them, and then Leslie Kelly was going to be on a show called the Ag State of Mind podcast. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this Ag State of Mind guy. So a yeah. dude named Jason Meadows out of yeah. Missouri. He's good. Yeah. So I figured, well, if Leslie Kelly was good enough to be on his show, I've got to check it out, right? Mm-hmm. So I started listening to this podcast, and everything they talked about, I can relate. Like, I've been in that situation, or right? I know that. And I started kind of, the more I learned, the better I started feeling so I, re- I reached out to jason and said hey your podcast is amazing so he gave me some other ones go listen to this go listen to that so the most pivotal point was there was a guy named jeff Ditsenberger. he's from uh he lives up in um, not minnesota but wisconsin and he has an organization called tubs and it's a mental health organization to help people Jace- jeff was on jason's podcast mm-hmm. and there was just something about jeff's story that really like really rang with me kind of thing. Cause at this point I was no longer depressed, but I didn't feel like the old me. It was good, mm-hmm. but I kind of like tossed around like, maybe this is what happens when you've had a mental health, you know, bad mental health. Maybe there is no going back to what, the way it was. I didn't yeah. know. I had no idea. And at this time I had no idea there was help out there to even get, I always thought help was just for you're ready to end <sighs> your life. You call the suicide hotline, you get help. No one ever told me, like, if you're just feeling sad and depressed, go call someone, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure this out myself. So I listen to just, I reached out to Jeff's story and I reached out to Jeff and I started talking to him. Come kind of to find out, like, we'd both been from California. He'd both been volunteer firefighters, both have been in the military, had all this stuff in common. we just kind of hit it off. And, um, so I kind of got to go back to when I was 17 years old, we got called down to a local laundromat and, It was a six-year-old kid unresponsive in the back of a van. The weird thing about this kid was he only weighed 18 pounds. So the mom was a big heavy drug user while she was pregnant with him. Mm. This kid should have never lived six years. So this kid was thrown over. I scooped him up in my arms, and I'm doing CPR on him as we carry him over to the ambulance. And they haul him uh, to the hospital. My brother was also a firefighter. He went with the ambulance to the hospital. I went back to the fire station. When they came back from the hospital, they said, hey... Sheriff showed up and they confiscated that body because there was burn marks on the chest and they suspect that mom had been torturing this kid. Oh man, Didn't really bother me too much but at 17 years old it's still kind of like, wow it's a big slap in the face about reality and yeah. humanity. And But as I got kids of my own and got older, that kid always just comes in the back of my mind. So, come back to where I meet with Jeff and I was talking to Jeff and that night I was sitting there and I was kind of thinking about um my conversation with jeff and this vision of this kid pops in my head and he just says thank you for caring for me and it was gone and it's kind of weird you know like i wasn't on crack or <laughs> wasn't on drugs or anything but it was just this vision and but i felt this huge relief of like kind of this aha moment where in the fire service you can't save everyone yeah. but that kid's spirit knew we tried and it kind of just brought me relief so I thought for a couple of days, do I tell Jeff? You know what happened? Because I felt that m- me and him and our paths crossing somehow allowed this kid to find me, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whether you believe in spirits or not, whatever. Yeah. And so I told Jeff, and I thought he's either gonna, you know, block block me on social media or he's gonna understand. it so he goes, "No, no, I totally understand and everything." So, so after kind of. All of this, I'm after meeting Jeff, I got back to where I was before I had before 2013 when I was happy. Mm. And so then I started doing podcasts. I was on the Rob Sarkey show and, yeah. and Rob kind of gave me another aha moment where he said, You take my story and you take a farmer's story, and you just take the word firefighter out, take the word farmer, you can swap them. The stories are interchangeable. It's just different professions, right? Mm-hmm. And being that if I have one job, you have one job, we both can have mental health and feel the same feelings of Mm. not feeling like you're enough or your life is unimportant. So it's not what we do that makes the difference is how do we get this to fix so we don't feel that way. So I kind of learned from Jeff and Jason hearing them tell their stories. I thought, you know, if I can tell my story and someone can benefit from it and maybe not have to suffer as many years as I did. Yeah to realize there's help or that it's okay, what you're feeling is normal. So, and it's a big jump to tell people so many personal things about yourself because do you want to tell people you were you know, mentally ill because are they going to look at you like you're weak? You know, Especially yeah. when you're a firefighter, you're supposed to be big, bad, and tough. Yeah. And I mean, I was a broken man. And so I was able to fix myself and uh, I want to help others. That need help that, you know, just, and I think that's the biggest thing and, and breaking down the, so the agricultural part is I was through them. I learned about the mental health mm. and I still enjoy learning about the agricultural community and the mental health and trying to put the two together. Cause I do live in the city yeah. and there's a huge gap between the agricultural world and the city people. So I kind of like to be that middle guy where, well, let me tell you why city people think this way or I know how to go get the answers from the agriculture guy. So, you know, to be the kind of middleman that go in between to yeah. help bring the two closer together. And so what do you think
0: in your mind from your experience, what do you, what do you think is part of that gap from quote unquote city folks to the rural agricultural world?
1: There's, there's two parts to it. I see. Uh, the one is, and i take my own life as an example my my grandpa always had horses they raised animals for their own food uh, he lived in an apple orchard so my dad growing up in fact my dad never got to play many sports in high school because they always were home working mm-hmm. my grandpa let them play one sport my dad did basketball but that was it well, the rest of the time they were home that's the reason you know why my dad went in the navy because he went in the navy as soon as he could because he wanted to get out of there he yeah. was like i'm not going to spend my years doing this so uh so then when my dad had my brother and i we lived part of California was kind of rural, but still, I mean, we just had a house. We didn't have any animals and stuff on our farm or in our property. And so now I'll, I have my own kids and they are even further removed from the agriculture communities. Mm-hmm. We live in the city. So they don't get to see where their meat comes from or where right. their stuff's grown. So that's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is you do have the activists who are anti-meat, anti-farming so they spread a lot of bad information. Mm-hmm. So you take a guy that lives in the city. You don't know whether that person is telling the truth or lying unless you actually go research it kind of thing. Yeah. And that's where the agriculture community has the biggest problem is getting the truth out to the city people. And then the city person has to decide, well, farmer told me one thing. Activist told me another thing. What's right or wrong kind of deal yeah uh and then the farmers i i also fire back at some of them because they they often like to get on there and and blast the city people or city people or they'll say a lot of things like city people are uneducated (laughs) and it really bothers me when they say that because it's like you know my doctor my asthma doctor he grew up in a farm in nebraska Mm -hmm. i guarantee you that guy knows a lot about farming but he wanted to go to be a doctor he likes to live in the city but so he's not uneducated about farming. He knows about farming. He grew up in the life. He just didn't want to follow that life. Yeah. So not all of us in the city are. The bad, the bad thing is to see people get the bad rep from the activists coming in. That mm. you know. So so I try to let the farmers know. Not all of us are activists, mm-hmm. and we yeah. may not know who grew our cow, but some of us know where that cow came from or how it was processed, yeah. kind of thing. So yeah. Uh, Hopefully, can get people talking and yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I learned it's. We've got to do more talking with each other and not at each other.
0: No, that's true. Uh, the last few years we started going locally to get our own cow butchered and you know, processed. And this year we went with Parker mm-hmm. and we, we met him off of Twitter about a year or so ago and developed a friendship. And uh, to me, it's a special bond. Right. I mean, it's, it's deeper than just, Oh, hey, let me go ahead and buy Larry from you. Mm-hmm. It's, I understand the process. I, I talk to them actually at least once a week on the phone and through Twitter and through text messages. So I think it's great. And it's, it's to your point, keeping the line of communication wide open and getting to know people. Um, I see this stereotype with city folks being quote unquote uneducated to a certain extent of uh, the agricultural world. It hasn't, a lot of it's just, it's just hard work getting after shooting straight from the hip, being open and honest and a lot of city folks don't know how to take that. Right. Like, oh, well, that hurt my feelings or something like that. And so mm-hmm. my parents are from Vietnam. So my aunt married a uh, Marine that found the Vietnam War and they live out in Piedmont, Oklahoma. So the agricultural world, I understand the waking up at four o'clock feeding and yeah.
1: chickens and banging hay and all that. And. That's another thing too, just simple things like when you are a farmer and you have livestock, you you just can't take off for the weekend to go do something because someone's gotta care for those animals. (laughs) Exactly. And that's hard for the city people to be like, well, I work Monday through Friday, I mean, the weekend's off, we're gonna go out, go camping. Why don't you guys go with us? Well, it's not just that easy. Right. And so, yeah, trying to, you know, and it's okay if the farmer lives that life and if the city person lives that life, because you get a lot of animosity between Mm -hmm. like, well, I can never live in the city, but then the city folks say, well, I can never live in the country. Yeah. And I like to say, Hey, it, it, it's fine. You're more welcome to live in the city. You're welcome to live in the country. Yeah. Mean, it's what makes the world go around. It's, you know, we try to celebrate diversity. And so, yeah, so that's the other thing I try to, I'm not afraid to speak up, uh, just like Mr. Parker, you know, he, yeah. he'll let you know if, uh, you say something or rub him the wrong way. But <laughs> And I think there needs to be more of that because we're I in agree. a society where yeah. I'm too afraid to hurt your feelings. Right. So I don't want to correct you, but right. you know, I, whatever. So.
0: Yeah. You used a, a phrase just a little bit, just a few minutes ago, celebrate diversity. Mm-hmm. What do you mean celebrate diversity?
1: Because I I was raised where you judge a person by who they are, how they treat you. Mm-hmm and you know growing up in northern california we were exposed to a lot of uh you know the gay community uh hispanics you know we had a lot of vineyards where i grew up so we had a lot of people there that were working in the the vineyards and so uh and the agricultural world unfortunately the agricultural world is predominantly white male you know kind of thing but i would like to see more people of color get into it or, or even if And if two gay men want to go be farmers, I'd have no problem with that because I'm thankful that they want to take the time and the hard work to raise an animal that I can feed my kids with because Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could put that kind of dedication into farming. So I don't really care what religion you follow, what uh, sexual preferences you have. Mm -hmm. If you treat me decent, I treat you decent and and we can be friends or we can work together and... That's all that really matters, and and we need much more of that, much more understanding of, uh, like we were talking about your family and, and where they came from mm-hmm. and, and what they went through. And uh, nowadays, it's so hard to even I can't I have a hard time. Well, can I ask you those kind of questions? Am I yeah. going to offend you? Is that does that make me an instant racist because I asked you about where your culture is, your background, yeah. and yeah. and I think that is driving a wedge between where we're no longer understanding or learning about. Yeah, why? Why would your family come over here, kind of thing?
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting, and because there are certain "quote unquote" trainings that they talk about. Oh, well, don't don't ask someone because you don't want them to think they're different, et cetera. But the reality is, I want more people to ask me about myself, where I came from why am i the way i am why is my mind like that mm-hmm. a lot of it's because of my upbringing a lot of it's because of my parents grit and determination right to come to america to find freedom but mm-hmm. they didn't do it alone they did it with the help of the united states military men and women that sacrificed their lives and are still continuing to do that mm-hmm. and that's thinking back about it and just understanding this just it for men just think man how appreciative can you be living in the greatest country in the world right Right, where your cell phone costs a lot more than someone's car in a rural country. Right, That cell phone can feed a family for a year in some places. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I gloves come off for me. Any topic is open. Mm-hmm. You may not like my answer. You may not like the way I describe my answer, but it's my answer because you asked. So I'm going to give
1: it to you the raw and authentic truth. Then. Mm-hmm. And that's what I enjoy about talking with people, though is yeah. I want your answer because you lived the life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in the firefighting world, the best training we ever got was the old guy that's been tra- that's been a firefighter for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Especially guys from big cities where they've seen so much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And anytime we got training for some guy, took a class, read a book, and now he's teaching us that. Yeah. And so when you get to the part of okay, well, where would I? Where would this? You know, apply. How can I? This knot, you're teaching me to tie. Yeah. How can I use it? Well, I don't know. The book didn't tell me that. You know. Right. But the firefighter they've been doing for thirty years. Well, let me tell you five times I've used this knot. And same thing with you know. I want to learn about your background from you because you've lived it. I don't want someone else tell me your background that thinks they know what you feel or what you should feel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. We need to. So we need to all listen a lot more and and we can learn and the more we learn about each other the more we can understand and appreciate each other yeah and celebrate that diversity yeah no th- that's true and
0: because i hear the word or the phrase let's celebrate diversity and you you said it, so i kind of it just triggered that thought and it's like it's almost like i don't know if i need to be reminded to do that because to your point i was brought up to hang out with whomever our, is around me Mm -hmm. and do i have to follow a certain path no i've got to be able to understand what path i want to based on the guidance i get from my role models my parents Mm -hmm. and surrounding yourself with really good friends yeah and then of course eliminating certain friends that were in your circle Mm -hmm. yeah so speaking of that leads to my next question how do you deal with negativity in life and in social media because for
1: some social media is their real life yeah um i i always well i've kind of women those i always try to find like the silver lining in any situation mm-hmm. and i hate really focusing on negativity because it really does no good right on social media if it's just one comment i usually just try to ignore it and don't even really give it any because the more attention you give it the more it gives it weight so i just either ignore mm-hmm. them uh, some people, you, you feel that I have to block. They would just not give up on you, block or move on. Sometimes I'll try to respond and, you know, they'll say one thing. And I'll say, well, and I don't get nasty and get back with them. I just kind of say, well, here's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Why why are you saying that? And maybe the maybe it's just a misunderstanding between. And that's the problem with social media. You type something. There's no inflection in it. Right. So how do you know what I said was? realistic or sarcastic or mm-hmm. uh and people don't ever ask well where are you coming from why why are you saying that where, what's generating that yeah and that's why i would try to figure out what's behind someone saying something uh uh-huh. as always but so yeah so negative i just try to reinforce it or you know i hate to be the guy that's well you know it could be worse because you're not supposed to say it could be worse but yeah. i do kind of a lot of times think of hey you, you could you know, how bad is your situation? Because we get so focused into it, but yeah. And in this people's situations, they're very bad. And, Oof, well, yeah. Can I help you? Is there something I can do to help you get out of it? Or, you know, and when it comes to the mental health world, a lot of times just talking to someone, letting someone know you care is all the difference in the world. Uh, there's a friend of ours, he was telling a story. He's a farmer, his neighbor calls him up and says, Hey, can you come over and help me with my animals? And the guy telling the story, he goes, I knew something's wrong because the neighbor never calls, never needs to help with his animals. There's another reason why. So he goes, I go over there and I help him out. At the end of it, I sat him down and I said, tell me what's really going on. And the guy just opens up, you know, yeah. I, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And, and no one knew because he had kept it locked in and didn't tell anyone. He was afraid to tell his wife. And, uh, so my friend encouraged him to, you know, you need to call either a doctor or get some help or something because this path you're on is going to be destructive. And they separated their ways. And the next morning, my friend got the phone call from that farmer. I'm going to go ahead and call because you talked to me and encouraged me. You're right. I need to get some help. And and the guy went and got some help. Mm -hmm. And that little conversation probably saved that guy's life because had that not happened, it probably would have went the other way, mm-hmm. and that's all it took. And uh, that's the biggest thing. Mental health is such a stigma about. Just like diversity, we're not. I'm not supposed to ask you about, you know, where you came from. Well, I, I'm not supposed to ask you about, you know, are is things all right? Are you having, you know, are you feeling okay? And that's a big problem. We need more of. Are you all right? You know. Yeah. Uh, you might get mad at me. Hey, I'm just having a bad day. Just leave me alone. Okay. At least I know. At least you know that I cared enough to ask. And that's the difference. Or you might say, yeah, man, I, I don't know what to do. I, yeah. I I want to end my life or something. And then, so, it's just, it's all. everything's kind of just revolves around opening up and
0: talking to people. Yeah. No, it's true. And I might have told you this once, but maybe not. I've had asked two of my good friends on separate occasions if they felt suicidal. Mm-hmm based on the QBR training. Yes. And it's really interesting how, just to your point, again, just listening, having a conversation, and then more importantly, just genuinely ask, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. If they're having a bad day, they'll let you know. Most of the time, they'll just open up. It's like, man, you know, this happened today. One was being a dick. and <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that was kind of what led me into advocating mental health and agricultural world too Is was- i see a lot of people in the agricultural community that deal with mental health Mm -hmm. and they always say a farmer wants to talk to a farmer and i know there's all your studies and they've interviewed these farmers but i don't necessarily really believe that because when i was going through my situation i didn't really want to talk to a firefighter because the thing about mental health is it's hard to talk to loved ones there was just well just tell a loved one but when you feel worthless the last thing you want to do is have someone you admire be let down or disappointed. In you. Mm. If you were my physical brother, you and I also pretend we're brothers and I don't, you know, and I look up to you, you're my older brother. I don't want to come tell you that I'm, you know, suffering up here because what if you're disappointed in me? Then that makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. But now if you and I are strangers, maybe we kind of know each other. We're coworkers or whatever. And you come up to me and say, are you feeling? Okay. I feel more comfortable talking to you because if I let you down, oh well, right? I move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, not to sound so blunt, but it's for me it was easier. And they say, you know, farmers, a farmer will only understand a farmer. And I look at my own life when I I relate what I went to through the firefighting world and the you know the trauma that I had, and I look at a farmer. It may be different careers, but really. You hurt the same, and the fix is going to be similar or getting help. So I don't really buy that a farmer can only talk to a farmer. Because mm. the problem in the agriculture and the rural communities, there's not much help out there. I'm fortunate. Yeah. I live in a big city. There's tons of help. Yeah. But in the farming world, and everyone knows each other. So you've known the local doctor your whole life because he you know, probably – helped your mom deliver you kind of thing. Right. And (laughs) Took care of you all through grade school. And now you got to go tell this guy who everyone in town knows and you know him. And now I got to tell him I'm not feeling right. (laughs) That's hard to do. Yeah. So that was kind of one thing I like to let people know if you're a farmer and you're hurting, you don't have to stick in the farming community. You can go Mm -hmm. anywhere and get help. The key is just get the help. And uh, there's a, I was in a hospital a few weeks ago i had to get my gallbladder out yeah, and uh, right. one of my nurses she runs her she's a co-founder of a business where they do mental health they have a correlation of doctors and they can even do online you don't even have to live in omaha to use their services you can do it all through video chat whatever they can reach out anywhere to get help but you just have to look at the word out there that these organizations exist
0: you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah for sure um, one of the projects I've been thinking about wanting to do, when when I was a kid before 911 existed, everyone had a piece of paper next to the phone that had local sheriff's phone number, you know, the fire department, poison control. Yeah, yeah. You knew a number because in an emergency, you only thumb around trying to find something, Right. That's why 911 was so easy. Why don't we have something like that for mental health? A little magnet or something that people can put on a refrigerator or next to the phone. You know, because it may not be you that's having a problem. It might be a loved one yeah. or or a good friend. For sure. And hey, man, call this number. This is where you call to get help, kind of thing. And so that's one of the things I like to do is too is we got there's you have the help and you have the people who need the help. We got to get them connected. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. That's a great idea. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about, or. Um, I maybe down the road I, I entertain with going to like farm trade shows yeah. and just handing out pamphlets or something that a, a farmer can throw in the cab of his tractor, a little sticker that Yeah, you know, that's when farmers really they're out in that tractor all day long and that's when you start thinking and overthinking and <laughs> yeah. maybe they can look at that sticker and see, you know, I need to call that. Mm-hmm. Reach out and get some help or
0: something. Yeah. I I could see where that would pay, play a big role in just Humans themselves. Mm-hmm. Whether you're on the tractor all day or you're firefighting in the firehouse, waiting on the next call, like, oh man, what's that next call? That can take its toll. Mm-hmm. Or even for a spouse who has a um, other spouse is a police officer. Yeah, and they're wondering, man, I wonder if
1: they're going to come home. You know, so mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah, And that's huge. Even though I just wear the job of it, you know, look at how many women suffer from. Uh, post-mortem depression yeah after the birth of a uh, child That's a true big thing yeah yeah so if i'm a firefighter or i'm a police officer and i'm working a lot of hours and maybe i had to pick up some overtime shifts because the wife is out of work while she gave birth to this child and we got bills to pay yeah and she's home suffering you know maybe she doesn't want to tell me that you know because she doesn't want me to look down on her right how Where? Where? where is she going to get help you know it's the biggest thing we all know if i call you up and say man i've got a headache you're probably gonna tell me well, have you tried taking some aspirin some tylenol you know or if i call you up, i got this tooth that's just killing me well have you talked to a dentist we always know that kind of stuff but if i call you up and i say man i don't feel good i i feel worthless or i want to end my life people that's where people freeze up uh well you know we don't know we don't just, it doesn't just roll off the tongue have you called this person have you said that so we got so much education Regardless of whatever, whether you live in the rural community or the city, we got a lot of education to educate these people. To, um, and, and probably because mental health wasn't such a big problem years ago. It's, yeah. it, it, it always has been. Maybe it's just coming to the surface more. Uh, but today's side, that side, look at the last year with the whole virus and people being home and, you know, a lot of marriages, people didn't realize like you love your wife, but you gotta live with her day in and day out. boy. That's, whew. <laughs> might be stressful. Well, you know, that's interesting. I saw a lot of that. Like,
0: oh, man. My my wife is going to be at home all day. My husband will at home all day. My kids are going to be home all day. I'm like, man. I, obviously, I don't have any kids. I just think that you make the most of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to go in and post it because then when you post it, someone can take it as a negative thing. Like the way Wong Lam just took you. It's like, come on, man. It's not that bad. You marry that person for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, let's role play. Man. Henry, anyway, I, I don't feel I don't feel good, man. I feel like I'm worthless, and this might be my last day
1: on earth. So that's what I just probably ask you, you know, well, you want to tell me what's going on? Why Why do you feel this way? You know, what did something happen to you, or you know? Yeah, my uh, my boss, she just said some
0: things to me about my work and didn't give me a good answer, and I just don't feel like I I'd do anything right
1: let me ask you this. Do you feel like you want to end your life right now? Yeah. Would, uh, would you be willing to call and get some help, talk to a doctor or can I call with you? And, uh, there's a hotline we can call and we can probably get you some help because first off what you're going through is not uncommon. A lot of people go through this and it's okay that you feel this way, but we need to get you better. Uh, would you be willing to kind of make that phone call with you get you there? Yeah. I'd appreciate that. Let me. That's let, good. Let me, uh you know, or I, I can even ask, you know, do you got time? Let's go get a, um, let's just go have some dinner. Let's go have a cup of coffee, beer, whatever. Yeah. And uh, we'll make the call there. I'll come, I'll come pick you up, you know, or. That's the key. You go pick them up. Yeah. I'll come pick you up and we'll get this figured out. You know, but yeah. I want you to promise me one thing though. While I'm on the way to get you, I don't want you to do anything stupid. Okay. Promise me you won't do anything stupid till I get there. Yeah, and then uh, we'll we'll get you sort we'll get you fixed yeah. up. So man, very good. You've yeah. been through that training. Yeah. So QPR tell tell our guests about the training. So QPR uh, is so CPR is for your heart, right? QPR is for your mind, right? For uh, question, persuade, you recommend, yep, or refer, rather. refer, yeah. And uh, it teaches you just how to recognize someone that is mostly suicidal uh, or definitely having a mental problem. And then teaches you kind of how to just to be aggressive and go after it, and mm. ask him, you know, do you feel like hurting yourself? Uh, and then kind of teaches you how to respond back because it's a big shock when I'm expecting you to say no. And you say, yes, like, Whoa, now what do I do? And you need to, well, let's, you know, can I make a phone call with you? Or can I give you some phone numbers to call or can mm. I call a doctor? And, uh, if I feel like, it's a, you know, if we live in the same town or close, can can we go, you know, hang out for a little bit? Maybe you don't need a doctor. Maybe you just need someone to talk to. You don't know who to talk to. And yeah. Maybe us going to get in a beer or a cup of coffee for an hour or two, maybe like, man, that's just what I need. I need to get that off my chest. And, mm-hmm. You know, maybe we go egg your boss's house. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty funny, <laughs> man.
0: Do you Do you ever get the... This is gonna be a compliment, but I feel like this. Do you ever get the the feel that people are like, man, dude, you're my dude. I just wish we could live closer here, we could hang out a little more often.
1: Um, yeah, because the some of the really true friends I've made last year, known um my friend Quentin Keneally, he lives an hour north of me. Yeah. And he is great. He's a, a farmer. Yeah. And he just makes me he always he's been the one that includes me in the agricultural conversations. Yeah. You'll get these group texts with just the farmers. He's the guy that always, hey, let's include this dumb city kid in here. <laughs> uh, he, he is great. He and, seems like uh, a good dude. Yeah. yeah. And then Jason Meadows who runs the Axie of my podcast. And we we all text each other a couple times a week, back and forth. Um, I got the opportunity to meet Jason. He stopped by. He's coming through Nebraska, and he stopped at our house. And That's cool. I spent a couple hours with him. Uh, we're going to try to get down to see him in July, nice. take my kids down, and um and then jeff Ditsenberger, i actually went and saw him he lives in Monroe, wisconsin wow and my wife and i you know and i think my wife knew something was up because kind of just hit this patch where when i was depressed before i knew it was because i left the firefighter world but then i had this batch where i just kind of got in a funk again Hmm. and i just was back in my old ways but there really was no reason why and my wife said let's take a long weekend and go see Jeff. Let's just take off and go. So I made a call him up and I said, are you going to be home? And he was, yeah, I'll be around. And so we made a hotel reservation. And so I made him this big giant sign with his tugs logo on it and a piece of wood and epoxied it all up. And it was my wife helping me with the idea. She's yeah. the one who found this big logo and, and we took it up and delivered it to him. And yeah, and spent some time with him, had some dinner with him and, it's just so, yeah, those people, I talk to them pretty much daily, most daily to seem one of them kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And they help keep me grounded, and uh, there's been a few times where I, have, I felt a little off and reach out to Jeff, and, uh, you know, or Jeff would just confide in me. And I've, I've had to, to talk to so many people this week, and uh, it's been a bad week or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I definitely have... Uh, so I like to get out. So I came down here to Oklahoma city. Yeah. So I had a couple of plane tickets to use up and I thought, where else can I go? So <laughs> came down here and, uh, and just, yeah, you know, the more networking, we get to know people. Yeah, and, for sure. So yeah, it's been some good friends. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I, well, I definitely, uh, I appreciate the time that you, like last night you came over, we had dinner and hung out for three, four hours. And now you're sitting back here in the living room again and yes, recording this podcast last minute is, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been a good trip. It's fun to kind of, you know, driving around today. And yeah. Kind of get, it's nice to get out of town, kind of refocus, you know, uh, always balancing between work. And I work night shift, and so I trying to get my sleep in and yeah. running the kids around and kind of get down here and you kind of start figuring out what's really important in my life, what I really need to focus on, my health and my wife and my kids. Yeah. And you kind of forget about all the other stuff. So mm-hmm. it's been a good good grounding experience. Yeah.
0: Speaking of taking care of yourself, do you have any uh, morning habits that you
1: have to do? Um, I, w- I usually wake up, and the first thing I do is try to get out of bed. So, I <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I mean, my I, I get up because I usually get about 3 in the afternoon, and I'll get up and I'll kind of check because everyone's busy during the day. So when I wake up at 3 in the afternoon, social media is just full of like, I got to try to catch up all the comments on everything. And, and I follow Instagram, Facebook, and and Twitter. So I'm trying to get it all three and see what happened, what I missed during the day kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I do that and then shower and then get my day going because that's when my, my wife works out of our house. And so uh, what do I have for the day? Well, I got to go. This kid's got basketball. This one has horseback riding or something. And, yeah. Uh, then at night, at 10, 10 o'clock, I start packing my lunch. I leave for work at 10.30 and get to work at 11 and work overnight. Wow. and So then my two nights off are Thursdays and Fridays, and that's usually when I do uh, the woodworking projects. And okay. I, I do that because I can go out in that shed. It's uh, not in the house if I have to make noise, standing wood or something. Mm-hmm. I can go out there. I got electricity and a TV. And yeah. I can go out there and stay awake because I, you know, I sit at sit a computer for 40 hours a week I don't want to just sit home my like two nights off in the middle of the night watching TV. So that's true. So it gives me something to get out and go do and yeah. a little heater out there in the winter time. But yeah. So, but that's a, uh, that's about it. That's my routines. So. Yeah. Earlier you talked about aha
0: moments on your, just listening to a podcast or being a part of a podcast or just meeting and talking to people off of Twitter. What are maybe one or two defining moments for you that you would like to share on this podcast Well
1: um, definitely the probably the one when i was talking about where rob Sharkey said you know you take my story and take a farmer's story and you pull the names out and you swap them and they're interchangeable that was kind of the aha moment that you know because up to that point i thought what i was going through like i was one in a million it was this rare thing no one ever felt what i felt yeah. because no one ever talks about it no one ever talks about their feelings and listening to Rob and all these other podcasts that had guests on there talking about stories they've been through, trauma they've been through, you know, you, you kind of get the big overview picture. And the little individual stories are different, but the big picture has always been the same, you know, whether it be the mental trauma and how they fixed it. So that was kind of the big moment when I realized, okay, this is deeper than just me or it's not just a firefighter problem. It, it affects, mm-hmm. you know, police officers i mean the, can you imagine half the stuff those guys see what, yeah. what they go oh man and you and, and i have my own experience where uh we were overnight and you know, we had a death of an eight-year-old died in a fire and his grandma died in a fire and you gotta go home and then see your family and try to carry on with life and hey dad you ready to go to my basketball game and you're kind of still reeling from that night before that right. very traumatic situation and And some survivor guilt, because I walk in, and uh, there's my kids. You know, I get to see my kids. That family's never going to see their kid again. That weighs in your heart. So that was probably one of the biggest defining moments, was when Rob said that, that kind of the interchangeable parts. Yeah. And then uh, the last defining part was kind of going through the whole story of how it led me into Ag State of Mind, which led me to Jeff Ditsenberger which kind of made me realize I want to tell my story like those guys were because they helped me. Now it's my turn to help someone else. Mm-hmm. And the more of us we get helping each other, we keep building that circle bigger and bigger. So we can spread the information easier. So yeah, that was, uh, so that's what I give credit to those guys. I mean, and I told Jason and Jeff, it's really, I don't even know where I'd be today. Had it not been for them, you know, I don't, mm. I don't know that I would have ever taken my own life because being a firefighter, I saw too many times what that did to the family yeah, Right. and having my own kids. I just, anytime I got leaning towards those kind of thoughts, I thought, man, I can't do that to my wife and my kids. You know, I oh, want my eight year old growing up. Where's your dad? Well, he's dead, you know? Right. So, but I knew I needed to be a better husband and, uh, my wife actually never heard of me talk about any of that um, till the Rob Sharkey podcast when I was talking to Rob on the phone my wife was in the other room that's the first time I really ever said that I wasn't the best husband I could be more mm-hmm. um, still still pretty uh, hard to get through sometimes but it was a uh, it was a big moment for her funny moment that kind of brought us together. So, it's uh, still pretty tough, you know. Uh, I lost three or four years with my older kids that I can't get back, you know. So, but but anyways, so she knows now, and I think it was kind of a, she struggled with a lot of, you know, she loved me, but I was a hard person to live with. And me announcing that, publicly on a podcast kind of gave her that validation that it wasn't her problem. It was me, mm-hmm. you know, and I was taking responsibility for fixing myself. And yeah. uh, that was a, that was a big, uh, big train moment. I think my wife and I really grew closer after that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, really helped, but it, it's hard to get through a lot of that. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Do you ever get, do you ever think, cause you talk about, you quote-unquote lost three or four years with uh, daughters through that time period. And I'm just thinking, do you, do, you, do you catch yourself trying to make up that time or do you catch yourself making the moment of the times you have now?
1: That The other yeah, ladder where I can't get that time back, but right. I still have my two boys at home. Right. And my girls are still young. None of them are married yet or nothing. So." Yeah. Yeah, now I really try to seize the moment to make sure that I'm in the moment. Before, we'd have the moment, but I wouldn't be in the moment. I'd mm-hmm. just be there going through the motions. Yeah. And now uh, I really try to make sure that I'm putting the focus on them and not about me. And I think yeah. that's... You know, they always say... People will say things like, you know, suicide is selfish or whatever kind of thing. And that's a mixed term back and forth. But when you kind of, kind of think about like I was really being selfish because you know, I was, I was a miserable person because I went through this traumatic thing and not being able to do the one passion I had and my wife suffered for it. My kids suffered for it. And so that's when I like, you know, I got to fix myself to be, I need to be who she, my wife needs me to be and the kids need to be So yeah, now I just try to make it about them and, and try to do the best I can. Cause I never get back to the time with the older kids. So yeah. but I, at least I know I don't put the younger kids through that. You know? Yeah. That's great. That's great.
0: That brings me back to what you said way earlier in the podcast is about the experience. You, don't, you can't go through something unless you've been through something. Mm-hmm. So you've been through something, you gain from the experience, and now you are the teacher because of the experience. Right. right?
1: Yeah. And that's kind of, one of the thing that will strike me a lot of times on social media is whether they be a psychologist or they studied mental health. If that person has never been through right. uh, an illness like that, it it's kind of like, like a priest lecturing you on marriage. And we're like, the guy's never been married and not, not to be derogative, but you know, know what you like living, you know, to uh, my wife and I grew up, I grew up in California, she grew up in Nebraska and we're trying to make our lives one and different upbringings and so you're supposed to go to the priest. Well, how do I resolve this problem? Well, yeah. uh, he's never been in that situation. <laughs> and it's the same thing with, you know, uh, I just, whenever I give people advice, I just think of what I know for what I've experienced kind sure. of thing. Because I can speak truthfully to that because this is the experience. And maybe your experience would be different or you learned something different. But um, just like I said, that you're know, asking you where you came from or, you know, if I was to go out, talk to your parents, what was it like to come to the US? You know? Mm-hmm. Rather hear from them because they lived it. They can tell yep. me the emotion. And yeah. maybe your parents would say, Man, it was the greatest thing ever. But maybe yeah. someone else that came to the US said it was the worst thing ever. Yeah. Or it was their only option. So you get different perspectives, but it's their perspective. Mm-hmm. This guy, when I was in the fire department, there was a guy, he said something to me that always stuck. He said, There's only one reality. And, and which is your reality. I have a perception of your reality. Right. And the guy next to me has a perception of your reality. All of us are just perceptions of your reality. There's only one reality. And same thing with my life. that's my, so that always, you know, tell me your reality. Mm -hmm. Because I want to see if my perception of your reality was close or not or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what my perception is because it's your life and, you know. Yeah so my job is can i help your life make your life better yeah. can we be good friends can i help you with something or right you know No, that's
0: great it reminds me of a reputation you hear the uh, your reputation precedes you etc and so my thought is okay if you have a good reputation i actually want to go hang out with you i am going to find out the real you mm-hmm. and over time we're going we're going to see about your reputation right so do yeah. you do you feel like you were "Quote unquote," social media persona is different from your in-person persona.
1: um it, I guess it depends how people perceive because I do, I do give my wife a hard time, you know, <laughs> sarcastically things about. Like the other day, she had some dental work done, and so I made a tweet that uh, you know, because she got home, she just like talking. Her mouth was sore from the work that they had. they're going to keep it open so long. She didn't feel like talking. So, I kind of made the joke, of like, That's the best 400 bucks I ever yeah. spent. It's a nice, quiet night, you know. Uh, but reality was, I actually made her some food that she could eat and yeah. took care of it. I washed all the dishes. You know, so on social media, I portrayed this, like, oh, I'm enjoying a nice, quiet night. But I actually was very busy because I'd feed yeah. the kids, feed her and everything, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed doing. So, it's part of my job. We were yeah. as a team, you know. But So, uh, in, yeah, in regular life, I've always been pretty sarcastic, always. The guy to make the joke or whatever, but yet I can break it down and be. Uh, in fact, we had years ago, there was one of our firefighters. He called, he lived in the city and he was having chest pains. So he, he was a younger guy. He wasn't old enough to be having like the heart attack yet, right? Kind of thing. He calls us and we show up and he made a comment. He goes, That's the most serious I've ever seen you be. Because when it's one of your brothers, you know, yeah, you're very concerned, like, Oh, this is bad. You know, let's get him to the hospital. And we were moving through the emotions. And because every time I see you, you're always joking. i never seen you so serious in my life. I said, like, Well, it's because that was not the time to be joking. And yeah. So that's kind of how I'm. I usually joke, but yeah. when I need to be serious, I can. Or Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, just trying to be caring. And,
0: but. No, I can see that. I, well, I, I see that when I see your post. And then I'm obviously, I met you in person. I, I feel like yeah, you're the true dude. You know, fake. Yeah, you
1: know what I mean. Yeah, I try kind of be Mister like Parker. You know, I, <laughs> I tell you what I feel. And, yeah, and if you like it, great. If not, you know. But I try to be fair and yeah, try sure. to understand where you're coming from. And because mm-hmm. uh, there's been a lot of times in my life where I've had a perception of something and I found out that I thought the wrong way. You know. Yeah. Especially, uh you see a lot like my dad one of the things that my dad told me when i was going off in the military because he he went off to the military and he ended up going back to where he grew up or was raised kind of thing but he got out and saw the world for three years kind mm. of thing and you know so many people in these small towns they they grew up there they never leave there so their perception of the rest of the world is what they know
0: yeah
1: and it's so fascinating to get out and even just in the united states alone The East Coast versus West Coast versus the Midwest, the South, the Appalachians. I mean, everyone, a little different kind of deal. Yeah. So that's uh, great to learn. Then you start moving into other countries, and it's a whole different ballgame.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. What do you think you would regret in the next five years if you don't do? If I don't what? If you don't Do? Do. Yeah, just something you 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 got a dream, you got a project. If you don't complete it in the next five years, you're going to regret it.
1: Um, well, my my youngest boy, he's eight, and I not very. All my other kids are very athletic. This one is not. He he got two left feet. That poor kid. But he's shown some interest in the agricultural community. Good, and he's eight years old. So we're starting to get him involved now. He does some horseback riding. Uh, we're going to give him the 4-H. We're going to raise a pig. And uh, I like to keep him motivated going down that road and uh, get him. So I, I would feel very disappointed if we didn't take advantage of this the situation, especially now that I have all these agricultural yeah. friends. I got so many people I can reach out to yeah. and, and ask for help. So I really want to take advantage of that and make something of it and give this kid a fair shot at something That's awesome. in sports and and then uh you know the whole continuing to grow uh, maybe i could go get to uh, become a qpr instructor yeah so maybe i could uh, that was another goal i had maybe down the road would to go out in the rural communities and teach fire department and law enforcement qpr because uh now that i am learning about the agricultural world and i've been a firefighter and i've been on the emergency side and i can learn about the mental health mm-hmm. you know there's a big need to teach Firefighters and cops, two things. One, how to take care of themselves, but then how to deal with a farmer that's suffering a medical uh, illness or a mental illness. Versus just, you know, everyone knows how and the farmer got his leg crushed in an auger. We know how to take care of that. But what about the farmer that's suffering mentally, mm-hmm. or the other firefighter, or you know, or a law enforcement? Because those guys see so much, and, it's, and I feel it's a little harder in the rural communities because in the firefighter the rural community, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. most of the time, they can't even tell you an address, the address. But if you say, hey, it's Farmer Johnson's house, they know right how to get there. Yeah. Versus I living in the city, I didn't know most of the people I went to help. You yeah. Know. So, unless it was your neighbor. But. Right. I think that's awesome. I, I
0: really feel like you should do that, head down that road. I feel like there's, quote, unquote, too much lip service from the city agencies, mm-hmm. state agencies. that talk about it but they're not necessarily being about it right actions yeah and I think that'd be great and I can say that a lot about a lot of different agencies a lot of talk to say the quote unquote right things the politically correct things mm-hmm. like we're talking about it. let's just go up and get it done
1: uh, one of the podcasts I was on was the crazy conduct yeah and uh, we, we brought that up in that conversation yep. was you know the trucking all the all the big trucking organizations, they have that uh, employee it, uh, where you can go as an employee and call and get help kind of mm-hmm. thing. But there's still a stigma out there that if I call them, is my employer going to find yeah, out? Yeah. And, and they're not supposed to, it's supposed to be confidential, but you know how things work. And I said, that's why I think there needs to be an option out there where people can get help mm-hmm. and not have to fear that getting back to their employer kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that it would encourage people more often to reach out see. I, I agree. It's like
0: they have these HR departments. Well, if you reach out to HR, going to, is going there going to be backlash? They say, mm-hmm. no.
1: How do I know? How can
0: I trust that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because when I I worked at a financial institution there in Omaha when I first got out of the military in a big HR department, and that's what it's supposed to be. The HR is kind of supposed to be that liaison between the boss and you. If there's yeah. something unresolvable, HR. But... HR always leans towards the corporate side of They're going to stick up for the boss and protect the business. Mm -hmm. So it never really felt like they were there to help you. So it wasn't worth going to them and saying, "Look, I can't resolve this issue because their option was usually, well, here's here's the ways you can resign. You can give us a letter or something. And it really was about helping you out. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely in the trucking world itself. I mean, these poor truckers, I don't know that I could be a trucker. Yeah. Uh, on the road by myself. Even just me being down here without my wife for a couple of days, it's pretty rough. I mean, I, yeah. I'd rather rather her be here with me. It just didn't work out where she could come along. So. Yeah, next time. Next time. In Oct- October, we want to make a trip down to, I said, I'll try to swoop through uh, Tulsa and come down this way and bring the boys with me. Do it. And then uh, let her see this. and Yeah. So we'll make her see. Well, I don't know, she'll eat egg rolls. She's a steak Oh,
0: we can do steaks. Speaking of steaks, it's your shirt. Yes. Good life, great steaks. Is that true in Nebraska?
1: Yeah. So, this was a fundraiser that they had... Um, the money they raised from these t-shirts was going to go to the food bank. Was that last year? Yeah, last year. Because I saw that shirt last year on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, so, there was... I can't remember which organization I did now, but it was with the Nebraska Beef Council and some other organizations. And then they raised a bunch of money. So, it was a limited time deal. But, yeah, I mean, they got... Good beef up there in Nebraska, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think they got good beef everywhere, really. Yeah. Well,
0: tonight when you go out to park with Parker to Bandana Reds, they need making sure it says
1: Bandana Reds the best ribeye. Yeah, the best ribeye. Yeah. No, <laughs> Parker, he probably make me get my own ribeye off his grass out there. <laughs> you want a ribeye? Go get it yourself. <laughs> oh man, that's good. That's good. So yeah, that's that's where the goal is. At. So I just got to get myself motivated and yeah, and put the work in and yeah. Any person you ever see that's done that, you know, you got you have to put the work in, and be willing to put the hours in. So, yeah, hundred percent right. But I have, you know, I my job is I'm very fortunate where I only have to really work for you. We're contracted to the military, so we are not authorized to do overtime. So I work and we work around the clock. So I don't have to stay late because there's another shift coming on to relieve me. So I have a great job. I have forty hours a week. i do not have to work much overtime. I don't have to travel. So I really do have a lot of spare time to I can invest into something more than just yeah. reading social media. And the boys will be getting older, and you know, be they start doing their own thing, and they start driving. And they don't need you as much. So yeah, you know. Although my wife can put me to work, you know, <laughs> I was Monday. I got home Monday morning at seven o'clock, and by the first two hours, I already had taken a bed apart, moved it outside, assembled a, a baby crib. And I mean, she had a list. She was just... Baby crib for her she job? Had, yeah, for her okay. daycare. Um, okay, Pretty sad story. She had a... Um, there was a baby. We, we had to bring a baby into the daycare. The mm. mom... Dad's in the Marine Corps. He's overseas. Mom was in a bad car wreck. Probably not going to make it. And mm-hmm. so the grandparents, friend of a friend of a friend, kind of thing, we need to put this kid in daycare because we all work, but we don't know what to do. We're trying to figure out what's going on. So the wife says, I've got room, you know, and it's just this cutest little baby. Wow. And so it's been actually hard on my wife because her and I kind of takes our breath away a little bit. Like that could be any of us in a car wreck to get, you know, I can't imagine if I had to explain to my eight year old boy that his mom was gone or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even begin to think about what that kind of mess would be like. So, man, but, uh, my wife is happy to help out. Cause she's got the biggest heart. She, yeah. Uh, I gave her a hard time, but boy, that girl, she, if it, if it wasn't, my kids are very fortunate. to have the mom they did. Cause yeah. if I was in charge, they wouldn't get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> my
0: next question I'm going to ask, and we can cut this out. If you want mm-hmm. your answer or even my question. So social media, a lot of negativity. We obviously see um, politically, racially, et cetera. I feel like there's a lot of um, weak, I guess, mentally weak, not mentally strong. And it's not a mental illness. I'm just talking about just being mentally strong. I feel like there's maybe people tweet about their daily lives all the time, mm-hmm. feeling bad about themselves, feeling sorry for themselves, a the pity party. and to me, it's like I don't know if it's a attention getter or is that how you really feel. Do you feel like the on social media the self pity party? How does that translate to your real world experience when you work in your environment?
1: Is there the same? T- are there the same type of mentalities? Yeah, I I find that usually the person on t- um say Twitter take Twitter because that's usually what I spend most time on sure. The person that's constantly complaining about an ex boyfriend, especially if they were cheated on or something very traumatic to them, you know, that I, I find a lot of times it's more like a cry for help, really, hmm. or they're needing some kind of self reassurance because there's usually a deeper issue. Yeah. And I've learned about a lot of listening to a lot of these mental health podcasts, it's always you think this. But really, it's it's this here. And I got a good analogy, a golf analogy, I'll come back to in a minute. Remind me about that. But, so a lot of times, maybe a man cheated on a woman and she's complaining about it nonstop, very negative. But it's not maybe so much that the man cheated on her. It's that, does she feel like he cheated because of her? Mm -hmm. Like she was not enough for him? Kind of that, why did this whole thing happen? Um... And that's when those people, that's kind of like my situation where she's not suicidal, but she probably could stand in to get some help, talk to a counselor and, uh, you know, go through and say, look, what happened to you was not your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, this was just him or a what situation or whatever. But I think they, a lot of them are reaching out for kind of that reassurance that, you know, you are you are good enough. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's what a lot of times I see in the mental health world too, is that, People don't feel they're good enough. My mm. life, you know, my life just doesn't matter. No one, no one cares, but it does matter. At the end of the day, someone somewhere is going to care. If so I went out and took my life right now, you know, my wife and kids and everything, yeah, for sure. You know, my mom and dad are still alive. So, it, when you're in that dark, that's why they call it darkness because it feels like you're in this dark tunnel with no light, and you know, it's hard to see out that. But there are. People, you know, looking mm-hmm. for you and, and love you and care about. You. Maybe they don't talk to you every day, but you know, there's gonna be people that care about you. Yeah. And that goes back to a lot of times I tweet little things about, you know, it takes literally 10 seconds to just text, hey, are you okay today? Mm-hmm. Maybe I have, especially if I if I know you post every day on social media and also I don't see nothing from you three, or four days. I you know, I try to pay attention to that because I want to reach yeah. out. Are you okay? Maybe you're just on vacation and you have no cell phone service or you're just really busy or, or maybe you are in the hospital or something, but you know, and, a lot of I, and I do it to my friends. No, I am fine. It's just my, my kid, my kid broke his leg and we've been busy with that. Just, yeah. Cause not everyone always puts everything on social media. You know? Yeah. You find out these things like your kid's in the hospital, you didn't say nothing. Like, well, I just didn't feel like they need to be on social media. You know? Yeah, that's right. So, but then I know, okay, he's fine. You know, good, whatever. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I feel really, like a lot of people just, it's usually some kind of cry for help. Mm. And then it's hard because on social media, I might follow a handful of people, but I don't know them enough to where, do I butt in? Do I say, hey, you know, have you thought about, because, because other, if you are single and you're looking for a man and all you're doing is complaining about your old man, you know, <laughs> do you want to get involved in that mess kind of thing? Right. So, how can you get that person to turn around and become more positive and, yeah. and help in there? And it's a tough, it's each person is different. So, yeah, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I ask is because there's,
0: I post and sometimes I'll get a one off or a couple people like, man, that wasn't positive. And you're supposed to be this quote unquote positive guy all the time. And my response is, I, I'm not my positivity is not about rainbows and unicorns. It's mm-hmm. about, hey, let's get up and let's get after it today.
1: Yeah. And that's that's another thing I struggle with is I, whether I'm, I like to tweet about the mental health world, like, hey, don't forget to call your friend today. Or, yeah, for sure. Or, you know, hey, remember that you are someone, or it's okay to feel this. But then I also like to throw in jokes, like uh, make fun of my wife or something mm-hmm. funny. But because I feel... When I've gotten advice from someone that I know is a real person, some of these people they have a professionalism on social media. Everything is always professional. Mm-hmm. It feels like a robot regenerating tweet after tweet.
0: Yeah.
1: Whereas I wanna I want people to know that I am a real person. I might yeah. I had a bad day and I maybe I complained about a political thing or mm-hmm. I made fun of my wife or maybe I'm just feeling joyous and I want to share my joy and let people know their life matters or something. So yeah. I try to mix it up so it's not just the same. Because yeah. I think after a while, if you do the same thing time and time again, people just kind of start to annoy you or ignore you. Because mm-hmm. the, uh, oh, the golf thing I was bringing up. Yeah, heard a story one time, and, and I don't know if someone made it up or whatever. But anyways, guy goes to the golf pro, and I don't even play golf, but uh, <laughs> he says, "Hey, can you teach me how to uh, putt? I'm horrible at putting, I can't ever get the ball in the hole." And the golf pro says, well, how are you at chipping? Well, I'm pretty good at chipping. Because let's improve your chipping game. You can chip that ball closer to the hole. You don't have to be a good putter to get it in there. So it's kind of like that guy was so focused on my problem is putting. I know how to putt. Well, let's look at the bigger picture. What are you better at?
0: Mm. Better at
1: this. You can make this better. You don't need that because you get the ball closer to the hole. Same thing with life. The Same with mental health. Like, Okay, you're telling me this, but what's really, what's the deep root cause of yeah. it bothering you? Yeah. And if you fix that, you know, when we go into firefighting, the teach us you want to get to the seat of the fire. If the fire's in the corner over there, you want to get the water where the fire is. Spring the water on the other side of the room. Right. <laughs> do not do anything, right? Yep. Same thing. Yeah. You got to get to the root and you yeah. extinguish it and all the rest will fall in play. So, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, so I've, I've just heard that years and years ago, and I've always just kind of let's look at the bigger picture. Yeah, you know, if you can't still stands true. Yeah, and, and it also applies in firefighting. If you were trying to advance on a fire, and it's dark, and things are falling down. We can't get there. way. Okay, let's back up. Can we go a different route? Can we go through a different window? or a different door? Mm-hmm. You know what? What are our options? Yeah, always trying to reevaluate. Yeah, uh, and I do that with my regular life. Like I keep, I'm a, I'm a big to do list guy kind yeah. of thing. But I like to sit down and it drives my wife crazy because my wife's a live in the moment kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. And I like to plan out what are our goals this year? Where do we want to go? Who do we want to see? What do we need to buy? You know, right. And let's work those goals. And then halfway through the year, okay, where are we at so far? So I'm always reevaluating and keep the, I just try to live in the moment. Yeah. And I always want to be focused on that far goal, but kind of working towards getting there. So I like that. And when it comes to mental health, you know, if you are, if you went through a traumatic situation, you know, uh, you're not going to feel instantly better overnight. You go talk to a counselor once, it's not going to be, I'm in, I'm fixed. Yeah. But, you know, keep that, keep that goal. My goal was to get back to where I was when I was a firefighter, that happiness. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of plateaued up and plateaued up and then just yeah. worked up there and then got there eventually. Right. I didn't know if it was possible, but it was. So. Yeah. That's great.
0: But. What are the two questions you wish people would ask you, but no one ever does?
1: Probably, probably, uh, two questions. Um, you know, uh, man, that's, that's tough. I get asked a lot of questions. So, yeah. um, I guess, I guess just more, you know, people like, how can they be involved with like, with mental health? Mm-hmm. Um, cause not everyone has to be a mental health advocate. Right. Um, I look at when when we were, we, they always teach you CPR because maybe the guy next to you drops dead at the grocery store. You know CPR. You can save that guy's life. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you go out preaching CPR to everyone, mm-hmm. right? Right. Same thing with like QPR. If we could train more people about the signs and awarenesses of mental health and just make people aware, you don't have to be an expert or advocate or speech to people, but just know more, spread the knowledge. So I, I guess that's one of the things people would ask more how can we get involved or what can we do, what we can learn. And then uh, the other question I guess would be just more probably towards the agricultural community, what, especially for people in the city, well, on both sides really, of the aisle, people in the city can ask, what can we do to learn about, you know, or what are some misconceptions that we hear all the time? And I could help either, well, this is what I've learned or this is what you can go look at kind of thing. Uh, but the same for the agricultural community, come to me and say, you know, why do you like living in the city? Or why do you people feel this way? Or, <laughs> and I can tell them all the misconceptions that, you know, we have about them and they have about us because I see both sides of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, that, yeah, I wish people would ask more about how can they advance themselves to be better alert for the medical or mental illness. And and let's all work together to close that gap between the agriculture community and, and the city. So... Okay, so
0: let's take this, just one answer on each side of the aisle. What's a misconception about the city folks and a misconception about the agricultural world? And then
1: why do you like living in the city? So the one misconception is like, the biggest problem is that a lot of city folk think that the farmers are destroying the land or abuse their animals. Mm. And which when you learn that's, first off, a farmer has no no use in destroying his land because that's what makes him his money or mm-hmm. her money, whoever, you know. The So they need to take care of that and, and make sure it can produce every year for them. Same thing with the animals. They're not going to abuse the animals because they're relying on that animal being a certain weight and being healthy and looking good to get premium price for it. And takes something in there ragged that you didn't feed, you're not going to get any money for it, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, So that's one misconception is letting people know that the farmers do really care about, Yeah. The land and the animals. The other side coming back is that it's okay that us city folk don't really know so much about who grew our food. But there are a lot of us that do. My wife and kids are a prime example. They're thankful there's food to eat. Mm -hmm. Now, they may not understand the process that it took to get it from all the way from the growing it to the store. But the, it doesn't mean that they hate the farmers. They respect the farmers. They are thankful for it. They don't go talking about it like I yeah. do. Yeah, My yeah. kids are always like, can't you just buy your food in the store and leave the farmers alone? You know, they're, they're busy, Dad. We huh. I mean, need to keep bothering the farmers all the time. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, just because we don't know where our food comes from, it, it doesn't mean we we... It's, I guess it's not just... We're not trying to disrespect the farmers. Yeah. You know, it's no different than i mean i don't go ask the dentist what he had to go through to become a dentist i just want him to fix my tooth goodness. yeah you know i don't disrespect him i'm thankful he's there but i don't focus on what he had to go right what his schooling was like you know yeah. so um and then what was the last question Was why do you live in the city oh why i live in the city well i live in the city mainly because my job is there you know i work in the ba- i work on base and okay. uh I, my wife and i would like to once the boys are growing up uh, we talked about getting out maybe a little more rural area where we could have a few animals of our own. Maybe raise our own cow, our own pig or sheep or something like that. Get a little out of the city. But at the same time, I and one, I kind of spoiled. I like being close to the grocery stores down the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I went to, you know, I spent five days in critical care in the hospital. The ambulance was, or the, it was a 10-minute drive up to the hospital. Yeah. I was there and I mean, and Omaha has and whether it's cancer or whatever there's a lot of good medical facilities we got a couple trauma units in town so Mm -hmm. part of me unfortunately just scares me living an hour away from the nearest doctor or whatever I I don't know that that's something I want to do there's people that do great but I. it's not for you yeah it's not for me I like being near those kind of resources Mm -hmm. you know and that's okay and that's awesome that you're an advocate for
0: the agricultural community too Mm -hmm. to help bring bridge a a quote unquote gap if you will What's interesting about the first misconception about city folks and the farmers and the land and the animals, you see a lot of this now in Oklahoma City. They're trying to build neighborhoods out in the rural areas and they put gated communities up in these rural areas. And so to me, it's questioning the agriculture community I mean, about what they're doing and with their lands you're the city folks are actually infiltrating right and putting these quote unquote borders around because you got this gate got these big fancy homes
1: and like you are doing it to yourself yeah man. and and we've heard all heard the stories of you build these big fancy homes right next to a farmer's field yeah and then you're calling the city council complaining because the farmers running his tractor at right. four in the morning yeah Man, that farm that farmer's been there. Yeah. His family's had that property for a hundred years. Exactly. You built next to him. Yeah, that's on you. Yeah. yeah. You should have thought out there before you built the house, like, hmm, I got that farmer be running his tractor. Yeah. No, I'll just build here and then complain about it, you know. Or yeah, or the smell, well, I don't like the smell of the hogs. Like, well, then yeah, you shouldn't have you know and we ran into this with in the firefighting world when we anytime a city wants to build like a fire training tower. Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 we don't want that in our backyard. All oh, the smoke and everything. Well, the smoke we use. You can breathe uh, the training smoke. You can breathe that without a mask. It's mm-hmm. just—it's not actual smoke, right? Now. Yeah, it's no harmful chemicals in there. We do it all the time. We go in there because the training is something happens. And you rip your mask off in the fake smoke. You don't want to. You're not gonna die. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just there to give the illusion of looking. You're not gonna to see anything. So. But there's something, same misconception. Oh, oh we're going to smell all these smells and everything. No, well, no, you won't. It's so yeah. you have to, edu- we usually have to educate the public. We're going to put this training facility here. These are the type of smokes we have. This is where we're going to be training. These are the hours that we're training. We try to do this to keep the noise down, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe this isn't so bad after all. Yeah. And then teach them the positive. Hey, positive is a big training center behind your house means no one's building a house right behind you. That's true. Or not putting a, super Walmart in there or something and now you're gonna have a thousand more cars a day in here. Yeah. Then they kinda think, oh yeah, why do you what do have fire trucks once a week? Or a thousand cars a day. Yeah. So
0: that's interesting because we can go off on another tangent and another topic about humans. They're I feel like most humans are born to be competitive. And then unfortunately on the other side of that too, certain compet certain competition can lead to selfishness mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of what i see around is they just i just care about myself i just care about my house and how big it is and what the land is sitting on and but then a year down the road man i got these cows and they're mooing and i got these chickens and <laughs> they're this farmer and i was like you know what you did it to yourself you got mm. not think outside of the box you were in your own little world yeah and that's shame on you for just thinking inside your world
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's not, and that's okay to a certain extent, but when you start complaining about it,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that, like, my wife and I, we've had, we live in an old 1964 home. Nice. And it's, uh, well, first of all, their were, homes were built solid back mm-hmm. then, but we've never upgraded yet because we had so many kids. Instead mm-hmm. of having a bigger house payment, we took that money so that we could afford to do stuff with the kids. Yeah, for sure. So, you know i have a lot of friends that are younger than me or whatever they have the well we we're building you know we're newlyweds we're building a new house and like yeah think We drown in a two thousand dollar house payment mm-hmm. mine's like 900 bucks a month you know so yeah. i take that 1100 dollars. i can put shoes on my kids feet or whatever right. or travel a bit more so yeah it's a give and take and you know yeah sure a nice brand new house would be nice but that's the offset that we have you know so yeah yeah. but And it's fine. If you want, I'm not going to judge you for living in a big, nice house because yeah. I just hope you invite me over for Super Bowl because I have somewhere cool to watch <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> That's awesome. Any regrets in life so far? Uh, man, well, no, not really because I I look at everything in life as a learning experience. But, you know, yeah. uh, and I've, I've, I've thought about that many times because I grew up in California right mm. by the ocean Beautiful weather. So part of me every now and then is, what if I had never gone in the military? Right. What if I'd stayed back in California? What would my life I could be living in the wine country? But now I look at the wine country, I'm like, man, I don't know, wouldn't know if I want to live there. <laughs> Maybe I couldn't afford to get out now, you know? Yeah. And then I just have to figure we, I, I kind of believe in a higher power that our path is kind of, you know, I was meant to go in the military and meet yeah. my wife. That's what was meant to be, right? What if I stayed in California? What if I got what if I got paralyzed in a car wreck or something and I couldn't do anything? Yeah. A million, I don't know. So yeah. uh so for the most part, no, I'm I'm happy. I mean, my wife and I are great to get along and we love going out and traveling together and the kids, you know, and, then, and even the six kids, they've all had their little differences here and there. We, sure. You know, our oldest uh she battles addiction. She um mm-hmm. she spent uh, she's been to rehab three times. This know. is one in Florida. Yeah. The one that she's yeah. back home now with us, but, uh, yeah, that's how I end up here is because I bought tickets to go see her in Florida and then mm-hmm. she came home. But, um, and that was, that was a pretty, that took some years off my wife's life that yeah. it got down to the point where, uh, we had, I mean, she was so skinny. She was so, mm-hmm. I, 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 we probably a couple of months. She probably wouldn't have made it. I think she'd be dead kind of thing. She'd wow. Drugs and finally got her to go back to rehab. But I, I remember staying up. I was up for like 40 something hours Um, trying to find a place to get her and make sure she wasn't going to do anything or run off and finally got her dropped off in the airport on a plane. I went home and just, that was a, and on top of being up for 40 something hours straight uh, emotional toll. I mean, that's your daughter. And yeah. uh, But she got the help. She's on the straight and narrow now. She's doing really good. That's great. uh, And you know, that's when you get into life, you'll find and people are going to maybe judge you. Well, why is your why is your kid like that? You know, even family members. Family members are horrible. Yeah. what did you do wrong as a parent? Why'd your kid end up hooked on drugs? You yeah. Know? And, and that's come back actually to the whole mental health thing. First time she went to rehab, they were just teaching her about how to live. And that time it, it that was just prescription drugs and alcohol. When she came back, it fell even further. And that's when she getting the harder stuff. But it took the third visit before we found a facility that said, why is she doing this Mm. well it turns out you know she she had a little bit of bipolar and a lot of it was mostly mental health driven the drugs were just a way to feel good to get through the day oh man you know so they fixed this up here and then she didn't need the drugs so that was a big learning experience and i try to teach people if you have someone that's an addiction make sure the treatment facility is getting to the root of why yeah. they're using that's powerful, you know, yeah, because no one really goes out and just I want to do drugs just to do yeah. drugs. There's yeah. usually, you know, uh, a reason why something leads to something it. other than a recreational user that's totally different, but <laughs> someone that's using that alcohol or drugs to get through the day to carry on life, uh, we got to fix something else. Kind of back yeah. to that whole seat of the fire, root of the problem. Yeah, what's really you know, we're just going to teach you how not to use drugs, yeah. Well, let's figure out one step lower. Why are we using them? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's, I mean, so we've dealt with that and uh, our other daughters and it just teaches you life is different, not going to be perfect. There are there yeah. ups and downs, whether it's marriage, family, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When you first start having kids, you think, uh, that's why it crashed me up because we'll see a lot of parents, young kids, my kids would never do that. Yeah, I'll never allow them to do that. Yeah. I'll come find me in a few years when your kid's 16 years old and yeah. doesn't show up back home and you're looking for them. And, you know, we have devices. We can track our kids on their phones with those Life 360 app. Mm-hmm. Well, the kids are smart enough. They turn it off. They disable it. you can't find them. So, you know, um, the, the, but the one positive thing we learned about social media and kids, one day our daughter was missing. This was our 23-year-old. She was in high school. She was that kid that you called, always answered. Where are you at? I'm at the mall, I'm at my friends, whatever. One day she wasn't answering her phone. Okay, big red flag because she always answers it. My wife tries for a couple hours, can't get a hold of her. So my wife gets on Facebook, finds one of her friends. Can you find out where our daughter is because she's not answering her phone? We're worried about her. Yep, no problem. The story, I can't even follow the story because it goes like this friend got on Snapchat who knew this friend who had Twitter, but got on this friend who had on Facebook. I mean, it went around this thing till they finally pinpointed her at her boyfriend's house. She was where she was supposed to be. Long I'm is the phone had malfunctioned and wouldn't oh, charge and it died. <clears throat> and she didn't think of anything to call us unless no, my wow. phone's did. She was where she was supposed to be. And yeah. so she calls us from the boyfriend's phone like, and within 20 minutes, what's going on? Yeah, no, we're just worried about it. She told about son. So she wasn't doing anything wrong, wasn't hiding anything. Yeah. But the power of her friends using social media to track down, well, friends, she's friends with so and so, who's friends with so and so, and they were able to. Yeah. It was. So that's one thing I always, you know, people are, oh, I want my kids to use social media. Like, well, that was one time where I'm glad where these it, kids had it. Yeah. Because we tracked her down. And, yeah. So I know one of those, there's a silver lining in everything. Yeah, that's true. Where are the number is mean, so 315. That was my badge number in the yeah. fire department. Was a uh, badge three hundred and fifteen. Yeah. So that was uh so when I retired, that was kind of the number I kept, and so it just significance. So.
0: Yeah, he's tattooed on your hand. Yeah. On your,
1: so I got a Maltese yeah. cross there with the yeah. three
0: hundred and fifteen on there. That's awesome. And it's on the the thingy, the little plaque you made us. Yeah. So hashtag undefeated and on the back of it has.
1: Yeah. Like a I got little stickers to put on there with a yeah. the website on it and that's awesome. a badge on there and stuff. So I love it. Kind of, uh, I, I went to uh, my four year is in marketing. So I kind of learned about like, you know, branding yourself kind of deal. I, I need your help. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can try. And I just learned watching other people, listen to other people talk about, you know, building their social media influence up and, mm. uh and, the last thing is I got a degree in computers. I got a degree in marketing, and the biggest thing is when you're building a brand, make the website something people can remember. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you don't want a very long, complicated name that people can misspell. Right. Make it something easy because if I'm just passing, hey, what's your website? Let's well, blah blah blah. All right, I can remember that before I get home. But if it's something complicated, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we learned about when the internet was was coming alive. A lot of people were going out and buying, like, if you were, if I was just Henry.com, people would go buy different variations of how to spell Henry, and then I'd want to buy those up, and mm-hmm. I'd have to buy it from the people who got smart, you know. They they knew, like, Walmart.com, they knew different how people are going to spell Walmart wrong, or spell the E, or the A, or whatever, or two yeah. T's, two L's, you know, so they people were buying up all the domain names, right, and then making these corporations pay big money for it. <laughs> so uh, how do you want to be remembered um you know the biggest thing when I, if i was to pass away and there's a funeral tomorrow i want people to repeat something i said that made them laugh that made them feel happy i don't want people to sit around crying you know blah blah i would rather people at the funeral all tell jokes about man remember the time he said this remember the mm-hmm. time he said that something that just i want to be I made you feel good, I made you feel laugh, I made you feel happy,
0: yeah. or I
1: helped you out, you know, that's how I want to be remembered.
0: Yeah, So this isn't gonna happen, but I will say that when you DM'd me and got my cell number and you said you had tickets and you're going, you have a few days, you're gonna find Oklahoma City and you're gonna see me and Parker, I felt honored. That was like,
1: he oh, wants to meet us. <laughs> See, I feel the opposite yeah. way where, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was happy. You were willing to have me. I mean, you brought me into your home. You fed <laughs> me and I mean, Parker made the trip over here. Yeah. So uh, I look at it the opposite where I feel thankful that you guys took time out of your day. I mean, everyone's busy. Everyone's got yeah. stuff going on. And yeah. you made uh time to, you know, be here and having I mean, a shirt and, and the course. coffee mugs. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm the opposite. I feel very honored <laughs> that, you allow me to be part of your experience, you know, and, oh, and then we can continue to work together and spread That'll the good word. Sick. And
0: yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, on Twitter at Hank Wade, no wait, It's at, Hen- so
1: on it's Twitter- Hank Wade at Henry yeah, with a bunch called- of numbers, Henry 68157, which is my zip code. Okay. So if that's the best way to find it, it's Henry 68157. It does, it does say Hank Wade as the name, but yeah. you can change the name to whatever you want. Um, and then, uh twitter and i do instagram and i think that one i think that one is hank wade on instagram Yeah, i think it is too uh and i i have it locked but anyone can request to be my friend that doesn't bother me i just usually go because uh, you get so many like robots trying to if if you have it wide open all of a sudden you get all your spam messages Mm -hmm. so i just kind of filter out like oh that's spam that's spam but anyone true that's a real person i i don't mind i'm not trying to hide anything so yeah uh, and then I have a website called HankWade.com, And on that website, I just have a blog postings of yep. And, and there is a resource page on there. I made, uh, with tons of links for veterans, for firefighters, for anyone that needs to find help about mental health. Yep. You can go on there and look up phone numbers, websites. So I, I put that on there because if you want to be, if you don't want anyone to know, you want to just kind of secretly go look, you need to know who to call and you yeah. don't, yeah, maybe someone doesn't want to ask me who can I call go to that website and look it up and no one has to know kind of thing so yeah uh, yeah and I got my master's of beef advocacy through the beef checkoff program, so I learned about beef so I can speak intelligently about beef there's yeah. so much I don't know, but I have so many friends now I can ask yeah I belong to a couple Facebook groups hey, this guy asked me this you know yeah what, what is this and what does that mean and most farmers and beef people they're so willing to tell you because oh, yeah. hey, the more we get the truth out there, mm-hmm. the more we squash the bad information. So That's exactly right. That's how I feel too. Yeah. So yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions. and kind of the only way, you know, there really is no dumb question. Yeah. Because you I mean, I uh there's a lot of things I didn't know, you know. Yeah. And I've learned that I I although one thing I am very disappointed about is no one's come out with peach flavoured milk yet, you know. a mm-hmm. mm-hmm. few you have strawberry milk, right? Yeah, I'm
0: not a fan of flavored milk. I just drink milk straight up.
1: Yeah, see, I mean, (laughs) if you have peaches and ice cream, how good that tastes? Why can't they have peach peach milk? No one's taken up the idea yet, though, so. You should try it. Maybe that's that's my next goal is to to, uh, go to a dairy farm and make peach milk or something. Oh, the Twitter world's all yours. I'll tell the wife I get home and bought a cow. Yeah, it would be, yeah. be awesome to get the reaction. Yeah, next week we'll be dropping off a cow. We're going to start milking that thing. Get <laughs> her to work.
0: 2021, Look at the camera. Do you approve this podcast, sir? I approve it. It's undefeated. <laughs> My name is Longland and I definitely approve this podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or a moment you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile.